0: Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Tux Digital Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to be talking about AMD GPUs and Intel's big announcement. We've got some good, we got some bad, all kinds of tech goodness overall in here though, so you're going to have a lot of fun in this segment. Then we're going to head to Camera Corner. Wendy will discuss a camera for your underwater adventures or summer at the beach. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire, the hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Something cool right now is Michael's actually like couple feet from me like I could punch him when he gets out of control here please don't which makes me very excited and this is going to be a perfect show because I have that ability and if we had Wendy here she could hit both of us right and that would be even more exciting because Wendy would keep us in line but unfortunately it's just me and you here what moment.
1: I'm hearing is that I have less incentive to
0: do dad jokes yes because well, c- if I cringe then I punch cringe punch oh it's like I an wish automatic I replace. could be
2: there because oh my goodness that would be so much fun
0: It would be a blast. One of these days, we're going to get all together in one room and record one of these episodes. But until then, Michael, I want to find out what tech adventures you've been on. What's going on with you, sir, this week?
1: The launch keyboard has been unboxed. Wow. Exactly. I plan to do a video on the keyboard with Ryan. We're going to be doing later on his channel, so be sure to subscribe to his channel to get the full version. But I wanted to give a kind of a brief first impressions here on the show right and it's kind of disappointing i had to reconfigure some of the keys on the keyboard just for basic usage because the default locations of the modifier keys on the bottom row was just wrong basically like i understand the value of being unique with your products but i feel like the location of keys on a keyboard are the are not the best way to express your uniqueness.
0: But you can change all the key configurations. So why do you care?
1: Because an out-of-the-box experience and the first impressions, I have to change the keycaps and I have to go into the configurator just to have basics of what I'm expecting. Because the location of the bottom row, left side, the only thing that is in the right spot is control.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree actually with anything you said. I just wanted to be The devil's (laughs) advocate there for a second, because I cannot get used to typing on this keyboard. And every time I, well, first of all, my my keyboard seems to be in a continuous state of being broken. So I got the other one back, but -hmm. I was showing Michael. I now have the double pasting fun with this keyboard, where if I hit control V, it will paste it two or three times sometimes, sometimes not at all, won't even register. Sometimes it gives me double paste and sometimes I get single paste. So it's kind of like a surprise, which is neat. (laughs) But I'm not sure that's the feature (laughs) I was looking for in a keyboard, especially a $289 keyboard. Yeah.
2: That's part of the reason why you go with mechanical switches is to help prevent some of that. So is it on the software side or is it a faulty switch that you're dealing with?
0: Well, I did take the key cap off while Michael was here because he had his box and it was really easy for me to grab the key grabber and pull it off. And I put it back on and it seemed like it was fixed for a second. And then I went to actually log into the software we use here and I hit my password and it said wrong password. And I thought, that's weird because I copied out a Bitwarden and pasted it. And so I went and cut and pasted it again and it worked. And I thought, dang it, it did it again. It double pasted the password. Mm. So I think it's something to do with that specific V button. There's something wrong with that particular switch. And I'm sure it can be fixed, but it's another week of sending this keyboard off and another week of waiting for it to come back. And I have no doubt System76 will fix it. It's just this whole experience with a $289 keyboard has been nothing but frustration for me. I can't get used to typing at it, no matter how hard I try. And I can type on an ASUS laptop. Now, if anybody knows what I'm talking about here, ASUS moves their keys around for fun just to mess with you and their laptops. I swear (laughs) to God, they do. They like, they'll, they'll put the keys in places that make no sense. But if you give me a few days, I'll get used to it. I cannot get used to this keyboard. It constantly throws me off. I'm constantly misspelling things. Now I will say, its ability to register all the key presses at one time is fantastic. I've done tests with it. If you can simultaneously push the keys, it will register every key. That's a sign of a really good keyboard when they have that ability to register all the keys in its memory and be able to type all of those at once. However, it's the way the keys are configured on this keyboard just makes it something that I cannot get behind. But I'm happy actually to hear Michael say he's having the same problem because I've seen so many people blow up excited about this keyboard and I frankly don't get it. And then Michael said something that cracked me up like they didn't pay for it. Yeah, There's something to be said there.
2: I got to watch Michael as he was working and kind of playing with this keyboard not long after it came out of the box and as he was doing that I looked up some of the specs on it I believe that it said that they have hot swappable switches. So if that's true, could they just yes. send you a switch and have you replace it instead of having to send the whole thing back?
1: I do offer that. The keycap replace puller, I don't know what those are called, it has another other end that can pull out the switches. Yeah. So it is cool that you can swap those switches out. I don't know if it's the switch on his keyboard, but mine doesn't have those issues. And I made a comment about how mine took like three weeks longer than his or maybe at least, at least a week longer than his. And I don't have those issues in terms of like the functionality of the keys they're all fine the build quality seems fine for mine there are other issues that i have with it like the layout is just odd and that's not to fault necessarily the choices because some people like these small keyboards and i've realized based on the experience i don't really like the small keyboards some of them sure but i don't know what it's called what percentage or whatever but i know it's called tkl or 10 keyless where it still has like the row of the page up, page down, and then the arrows stacked on top of each other. I like that. And you could just get rid of the numpad. And I'd be okay with it. Yeah. But this weird configuration of making like the vertical keys and making the arrow keys so close to the shift, I've hit the arrow multiple times when I meant to hit shift. And it's just a little bit
0: frustrating. We're going to do a video on this. We're going to show you everything we're talking about yeah, in the, the video pros, on my the channel. Cons. And there are some good things here, but we just have to be really honest. I mean, I love System 76. I want to support the company. And we'll talk about all that in the video and some of the things. But until the video, Wendy, what have you been up to this week?
2: It has been an absolute crazy last couple of weeks for me. I went ahead and did some video recording for my daughter's play. She was in a Shakespeare play Her younger group did a 15-minute version in modern English. And then the older group did the full-fledged Shakespeare play. And I was like, sure, of all the things I was volunteering to do, which was a lot, one of those was to record the actual play. And if I'm going to do this again, not necessarily next year, because this co-op only does the Shakespeare plays every two years because it's so much work to put them on. But if I'm going to do this again another couple of years, I'm going to need some more hardware to do it. So I had my Nikon DSLR that I've been using for all kinds of stuff, which is what was taking in the actual video, but it wasn't doing the recording. If you all remember, I have a Ninja Inferno by Atomos. And that's what was doing all the recording, which is really, really nice. The downside is I put my camera into live mode, and then you just have to make sure it doesn't go to sleep because if it goes to sleep, then it's going to stop recording on the Atomos. Now, one of the advantages of the Atomos is I've got a one terabyte SSD in it. Way more recording time than you can have in your standard DSLR, even though mine will hold two SD cards. And then at the same time, it records in a much better format than my Nikon DSLR can. It's still 1080p because that's what my DSLR records in. That's the feed that my Atomos is getting. All of that is great. The video looks fantastic. The problem I'm having in my hardware realm of the hardware that I brought with me was when it comes to audio. The audio is absolute crap. So... If any of you listen to Linux Out Loud, I record that show and I try to get the audio as best as I can, which isn't always what it could be, but it's the best that it can be. And I'm going to have to do the exact same thing when it comes to the audio on this, even though it's not audio that I want to hand to everybody. It's not good audio. There's kind of this echo to it. I've cleaned up a lot of the room noise. It's a very, very old auditorium. It's got a lot of echo to it anyway. And even though I've cleaned up a lot of background, I've made the voice as loud as it can be. There's still a tinge of echo. It's still a little bit tinny. And it's just going to have to be what it can be. And next year or in two years, make sure I have some additional hardware, some additional microphones that I can put out and feed into that video so that it's better, so that it's higher quality for the people, the families that are going to be receiving this in the end.
1: Yeah, it's very impressive that you've been able to work with it, though, because the hardest thing to do, any kind of audio-video stuff, is when you have a large area that you have to record, and the people who are in the recording are not mic'd, so you have to put a microphone on the stage or beneath the stage or something like that and it just creates a very difficult problem to deal with so the fact that you're able to get the audio to work at all i'm impressed by it so well done there
2: thank you the older group was miked the problem was none of that was being fed into my system and because this was such a large auditorium anyway, the speakers were set up that the echo on the older kids is so much worse than it was on the younger kids who are not miked. Mm-hmm. And I've got the younger kids cleaned up as best as possible. I need to go work on that. And it's just, it is going to be what it is. I'm not going to not deliver it. Right. I already promised all of these people that they're going to get the video I may have to go hide under my bed after I hand it to them because I'm so embarrassed about the audio quality, but they're going to get it regardless. And it's just one of those things to think about moving forward in the years to come.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what you come up with another solution because there's lots of different tactics to address this kind of a problem. And they're always going to be kind of a pain. So <laughs> if you can find a solution, let me know.
2: We had a super awesome audio guy that was, that mic'd the kids. He brought his own soundboard. And if he does work with us again here in two years, knowing him now and having some relationship with him now, we might be able to help make that work with the video equipment that I'm also using. So it is in the future But he was awesome and maybe I don't necessarily need to provide the hardware or maybe we can have a piece of hardware that works together so I'm getting a copy of that feed as well.
1: Yeah, there's definitely going to be some solutions for that. I used to do audio and video work for a comedy club in my local area and it was really fun. And there was an audio engineer and then me as like the producer director type. There was a lot of different pieces that really shouldn't go together but you can make that stuff work so that you have an audio engineer involved there's a lot of value I, w- I would assume that they could provide
0: what i smell is a future camera corner where wendy will teach us about how to hook up mics and things the cameras properly once you figure this all out and steal all that engineer's knowledge and make it your own nice
2: yes once i get it all figured out i will absolutely share all of that with you i just got to get it figured out first you have a new toy, Ryan. I mean, you almost always have a new toy, Ryan. <laughs> but this one, I am super jealous of.
0: Oh, you should be. I mean, I don't mean to say that. It's so wrong to say stuff like that. But I'm telling you, Wendy, like it's it's out of this world, like mind blowing. I, I cannot wait. Michael's here. He hasn't even, I mean, he's working on the computer right now. He's on a mic near the computer that has this in it, but he hasn't seen it run yet. And it is freaking fabulous like i get chills just thinking about the technology in this card i got my hands at msrp by the way a gigabyte radeon rx 6900 xt gaming overclocked video card edition and oh baby it sings man this thing is redonkulous it's not even ridiculous it's redonkulous it is so freaking fast so to put this in perspective, I'm going to do a video on this as well. I have I did a bunch of benchmarks. I mean, the card I, I came from is a fantastic card. Great experience. I've played all kinds of games with my son and everything on it. I've done all my videos and editing, and it's been a fabulously good card. But this is the top, tippity, tippity, top of the line. Like, you don't get better than it. Well, we'll talk about one that they're releasing that actually is supposed to be a little bit better than this. But this right now, currently... In most people's hands is the tippity top of cards. And it's got 16 gigabytes, 256-bit GDDR6, boost clock of 2285. You got your two times HDMI. You got your display ports in there and 5,000, yes, 5,120 stream processors all running on that PCI Express 4.0. And one of the games I was playing is Overwatch. And when I was playing it on my other cards, you know, you could get into, depending on if you were in high settings or medium settings, 70, 80 frames per second, which is really good, especially on 4K. This card was running at 235 frames per second. It's stupid. Like, it's like, get out of here. That's not, no, That's not even, it can't be right, right? But it is. It's a dang good card. I have just put it in my system today. I cannot wait to tell you all more about it on my DOS Geek channel. I'm going to do a bunch of videos on it because I, I can't stop talking about this thing. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm kind of excited about it.
1: A little bit. I have a hint of it. A little bit, yeah. It.
2: Yeah, yeah. It might be coming through just a little bit. Okay, so this is the question I have. I'm really curious. You loved the Radeon 7 when you got it in hand and you used it. Yeah. How does that experience compare to this experience? Does it blow you away the same amount or?
0: The Radeon 7, probably not as much as the Radeon 7 yet, just because the Radeon 7 was the first time AMD was being taken seriously again. For me, I was getting all these. I was in a fight back then because I was one of the few tech people literally in all of YouTube. And Michael and you all can attest to this that was telling people way back when everyone was still Intel NVIDIA the full time. I was the one person fighting saying, no, AMD's got some serious stuff coming. And everyone was making fun of me and saying I'm wrong and going on my channel like, you stupid AMD is just a space heater. It'll never be good. And then all of a sudden, booyah, they come out with this stuff that's just been blowing the market away. And people all of a sudden shut up. And now everybody's talking about AMD. But I saw it first. I saw their technological buildup and the things that they were doing, the things at least the was putting in place. And I knew things were coming that were going to be exciting from AMD. And when the Radeon 7 hit, that was the first time I was like, this is something truly special because it wasn't the fastest gaming card out there. But because it had that high bandwidth memory in it, when you were doing video editing or anything like that, it just ate it for lunch. It was like, give me more. It did not care. It did not stop or hesitate. And NVIDIA cards would, even their top tier in those particular applications, like when you're rendering and things. So it was the first time AMD was taken seriously. So AMD's obviously taken very seriously now, so it's not quite as exciting. And I I would take an AMD, I'll take an Intel GPU, I'll take an NVIDIA. At that time, AMD was the underdog, and I really wanted them to win. So
1: does this particular 6900 XT also nom 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 on the various software?
0: (laughs) Well, listen, you're going to see it in action, because we're going to run some of the nom 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 tests. Like we're going to do Blender tests and real world tests, that other people don't do on their channels, right? They run the little benchmark software and they're like, ooh, look, graph go up. But we're gonna actually do real solid tests here to show things in action and it will nom 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 it all the way through.
1: I'm excited first to see how much it nom nom noms. Yes. And also how you even do these benchmarks because I have I know the basics of just run the application or run the game and then let it go. But the what you're talking about of real world testing yeah. That's way more interesting, and I'm super curious about
0: how you actually do it. Way more interesting, and I think gives you more results that people are going to actually see versus a lot of times AMD and things will come out there with their benchmarks and they'll say, look, we get 5 billion frames per second on this game, and they purposely work with those creators to make everything perfect for that specific game, and then you play another game and it's terrible. So this is more real world, and this is the applications that I use rendering, blender, those type of things. And we'll see how this thing kicks butt. But listen, 6900 XT has been out there. Just nobody's been able to get a hold of them. It's a fantastic card. I'm just loving it every second of it. And getting framed per second like that, it's life-changing. It's like, I, I mean, I, I don't even have monitors to keep up with it. It's, just, it's still life-changing. I just want to see those numbers flip, you know? They could just lie to me and put thousands of frames per second on there. I'd be squealing like a little <laughs> happy pig. I believe it.
1: If you want to be squealing like a happy pig, then check out DigitalOcean because this episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by (laughs) DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean also provides with predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. DigitalOcean helps teams regardless of the size, whether you're a team of one person or a team of a thousand people. DigitalOcean helps your team grow with their simple, powerful cloud computing services. As a listener of this Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the text digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with your awesome cloud platform at DigitalOcean and get that $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. I want to thank Digital for sponsoring this episode of Hard Addicts.
0: So this week we got a lot of hardware to cover. Lots of new arrivals from big names of tech like AMD and Intel. And we're going to dive into all of it right here, right now. So we're going to start with our friends over at AMD because we're talking about the 6900X team The nom 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 nom. And it's been a while since I've been even interested in covering new GPUs. It's been a while since I've been excited about a new GPU because there's been no stock available. You couldn't get them anywhere. So it was like, Who cares? Like, oh, we got a 95,000 HT. Like, who who gives a crap? There's not in stock. Nobody's going to get one. Everyone's crypto mining or whatever. Things happening with it, nobody can get them. But finally, I'm seeing them on shelves. And I was able to just go to Newegg and pick up the 6900 XT for MSRP. Like, it was in stock. I didn't plan to buy it. I just randomly was looking at Newegg. I'm like, huh, no kidding. It's sitting right there. And then I had to Talk my wife into like, hey, honey, I accidentally clicked order. Anyways, so stock's back. Things are starting. to.
2: Accidentally? Whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. You accidentally yeah. clicked order?
0: Yeah, I tripped and fell and then my finger yeah. hit the buy button and then checked out. The product just fell into the cart. Yeah. He it didn't has. add it
1: to the cart. It fell into the cart. Thank you, Michael.
0: See, He's a good yeah, bro. I haven't See. met
2: your wife yet, but I'm pretty sure she didn't buy that.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because apparently I have this tone in my voice that changes when I'm guilty of buying something I wasn't supposed to. So like,
2: (laughs) I don't think it changes,
0: but she notices it. So right away, I was like, hey, and she's like, what did you buy? I'm like, how does she Ah. know? How does she know? So it was one of those moments. But there's some new exciting things people may be able to get their hands on from AMD like Radeon RX 6950 XT. So 6900 XT was the top tippity tippity top. Now you got the 6950 XT, you got the 6750 XT and the 6650 XT. But before we go too far into these cards, it's worth mentioning that by all standards, this is very much a moderate upgrade from the 6,000 series cards released 18 months ago. They were talking like five to 6% improvement over the existing cards out there, slightly higher TDP. So you're going to use some more power too. So to me, this very much feels like, Hey, We've been producing this thing for 18 months. We got better at getting yields out of it and got some yields that were a little bit OP, and we're going to sell those now to a bunch of people for some prices. So there's nothing super exciting about these. What's exciting is that they're stock, I think, of cards, whether it's the original 6,000 or one of these. Obviously, if you have a choice, why not grab one of these? Because the MSRPs are pretty close to the original one, 6,000s. Slightly higher price, but not too bad. And you're going to get maybe five to 10 frames per second increase based on what I'm seeing between these cards in general from their prior generations, which is kind of cool.
2: Yes, yeah, so I don't have one yet. I'm still running 580, so a much, much older card. Then for me, going ahead and getting the 50 version would be worth it. But if you already have, if you're one of the super, super lucky ones, who got your hands on one of these 6,000 GPUs anytime in the last year, don't worry about upgrading. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But if you are ready for a good upgrade, this is worth going for.
0: Well, It's interesting you mentioned that because people have not been able to get cards. So they've been dealing with their older cards and some way older than what you're dealing with even, Wendy, because they've had no choice out there uh, to pick something up. But I'll tell you now... There is a choice out there. You can pick them up, but I would very much stay away from anything used because a lot of miners right now, Bitcoin is tanked and this happens with Bitcoin all the time. And right now people are selling their video cards like Mad 2 on the used market. They're flooding it. Like I predicted several, several months ago in episodes, we talked about this, that it was going to be bad for the GPU makers. And if you're watching their stock lately, you can see it. I think they're going to have a hard time moving stock. But I would stay away from the used ones because they're likely mined with and that's going to kill the longevity of these cards in their life that you're going to have out there and try to pick one of the new ones up off the shelf. I think that's why we're going to see these prices really start to come down in a drastic way. If things like crypto mining continues to tank and stay down low, we're going to have plenty of options to pick one of these up.
2: Excellent point. I've had that conversation with you here on the show and I've had that conversation with multiple people in the community When we're talking about all of these cars and the potential for them hitting the market, the sad thing is the used market is going to be untrustworthy for, I'd say, at least a couple of years, if not longer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to take a while for people to clear out. Some people are still going to hold on to their mining rigs and be absorbing the losses and things. Others are kind of seeing the signs and starting to get rid of their equipment, which means you're absolutely right. You're going to have to stay away from the used market for a few years there, unless you have a friend or somebody that you really trust. About to pick one up from, like Michael, who's going to be inheriting. See, this is why you need to hang out with us, because Michael is getting a sixty-seven hundred XT now that I've upgraded to a sixty-nine hundred XT. So you you have a Radeon seven? Is that no? You got a Vega sixty-four? Vega sixty-four. You're gonna have a huge jump in performance coming up too for what you're doing. I'm
1: looking 64. forward to that. Yeah.
0: So the new cards, you got a sixty-nine fifty XT that's about ten ninety nine. Now, I picked up the 6900 for $899 with the $50 mail-in rebate I'll never get, so $899. And uh, so, I mean, the prices are pretty close there. So you get 16 gigabytes of the latest 18 gigabyte per second GDR6 memory. So you got more bandwidth on this memory. So if you think about, Wendy, you brought up the Radeon 7 and the high bandwidth memory. That's one of the advantages here with this card. So actually, for somebody like you, Wendy... These are the cards you want to pick up more than anything else. Of course, you're probably like, I'll take any of them. But for the type of work you do specifically, you want that higher bandwidth for your memory because you're doing things like the rendering and the pictures and all the animations, graphic design, any, anybody who's doing that kind of work is going to want something that has that higher bandwidth memory. And that's what these come with. So in your case, Wendy, a 6950 XT at 1099, a 6750 XT at 549 has 12 gigabytes of that 18 gigabyte per second. GDR6 or 6650 at 399 all fantastic cards good prices some people are really mad at AMD for this because they're releasing these cards and it's a very small upgrade but I think for designers and things these are a great card to pick up on an already impressive 6000 series lineup
2: yeah it took right around an hour for the video of the play to render last time I tried to do that so an upgrade for all of that kind of stuff would be amazing
0: yeah absolutely
1: when i upgraded to the current gpu i have the render times and the cpu i also at the same time the experience was completely night and day yeah and i'm looking forward to testing the 6700 xt which uh, i did get used uh, but i had a little bit of
0: a a, a little up. bit of trust a little bit of trust yeah, that bit. i don't mind with my card <laughs> i do like cryptocurrency by the way out there like i'm not a, i'm not somebody who hates it i don't like the mining part of cryptocurrency. I like the new proofs of concept they're trying to come up with. Mining is just a waste. Um, But I'm not one of those people who just hate that stuff out there. I just think it was kind of overdone, the mining, the waste of power, the waste of these incredible components and things, and people not being able to get their hands on them, I think was a shame. And it wasn't just crypto miners. It was scalpers, crypto miners, and economy collapsing all at the same time that created it. But we're starting to see relief from that. Ultimately, that's the good news. AMD has some new picks out there. And just start checking Newegg and stuff. Don't give up anymore because these places, they're constantly getting stock. And it shipped to me very quickly. It was quite an amazing experience that GPUs are finally coming back. So that was our good news. But here's the bad news. because I told you at the beginning, we have some good, some bad. Intel, their anticipated ARC series GPUs have been delayed again. Intel has hit various snags in this deployment process of its first discrete graphics card. It's the first one in more than two decades. And from mobile GPUs to desktop cards, their ARC products are behind schedule. And that is disappointing because I told Michael, like, I'm interested in actually doing an all Intel build again. I'm not one of those people, even though I was excited about AMD and I like to go and see what the underdogs are working on. I think Lisa Su's amazing. Intel has done a lot of amazing things over the years. I love some of the innovations that they've done. I love that they're bringing factories back to the US and they're starting to expand their processor chip manufacturing here. I think there's so many great things going on. I'm very excited about them entering the GPU market because ultimately I want competition. That's going to push AMD to do more. That's going to push NVIDIA to do more. So I want more players in here. So I'm really upset about this because I want to do an all Intel build, Intel processor, Intel GPU, and just rock that thing and see what it's capable of, push it to its limits. but. They're delayed again, and I think Intel's probably very disappointed they're delayed again. I mean, obviously, they want to make money. They didn't want this delay. I am happy that they're going to take the time to make sure this is right, and it would be worse if they released a product in there, I think, at this point, with everybody waiting and seeing what Intel can do, and it just completely bombed and fell apart. So while I'm not happy about it, at least they're going to hopefully get this thing right the first time when they bring it up.
2: I agree that not bringing it to market too fast is an absolute positive The downside is the name of this has been out for so long that if the delays keep ticking up, then nobody's going to be excited when they finally drop because be like, yeah, that's way old news. We've moved on to other stuff.
0: You're not wrong. As stock comes in, this is a big problem I've also talked about in the past when companies come in late like this, especially with stock coming in, people are going to start building computers again. They're going to start doing upgrades and then they're not going to have a budget or not even want to do an upgrade for another couple of years. So they're going to have to wait for that cycle to come back. If people are able to get a hold of the AMD and NVIDIA cards that are out now, they're not going to have the sales that they would have had otherwise, especially if they could release now while stock is just coming back and people are excited just to get a GPU in their machine that's capable of doing some gaming and things like that. It's a really big fail, but they're still expected later this year. I think they could still make this work. And they did have some interesting things happen at the Intel Vision 2022. They had some good announcements. They talked about their US-based chip manufacturing expansion, which I think is absolute necessity. They also launched the 12th gen Intel Core HX mobile workstation processor, which delivers 16 cores, 24 threads, and 5 gigahertz clock speeds, which is pretty awesome. And in fact, we got a whole family of 12th gen Core HX, including Core i5, i7, i9, And all of the chips, it's like they're listening finally a little bit to the public again, are going to be unlocked. So overclockers, which I know you're out there, especially if you're listening to hardware addicts, you can rejoice because you can tinker here to your heart's content. You can play with all the settings and voltage and get that perfect performance out of these chips. They're all coming unlocked. That's a big deal in the Intel world.
1: I also love that they still haven't decided to improve the core line. It's Now it's just core HX but they still also call everything i5, i7, i9. Do they also have like the extra number set on that? So it's the Core HX i7 70,000K? Of course, yeah.
0: seventy thousand. The new 70,000K is my favorite. I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs) That one hasn't been announced yet. You were supposed to talk about it.
2: (laughs) The naming hasn't gotten any better. It probably won't get any better for a while because the chips that are coming out... Right now, we're months, years in the making, so we're probably going to be stuck with horrible names for a while until maybe three to five years down the road when they finally figured out that they need to name a better, if they actually get to. I'm going to pull a Michael here, and I'm going to say, is this episode going to be named The Good, The Bad, and The Delayed?
0: Nice. (laughs) Wendy, it is now. That is is a perfect title for this episode. Man. Love it. Yeah, she picked up some of your skills there, man.
1: I have incentive (laughs) to not do dad jokes, but because she's not in the the range of your punching, (laughs) she's going to do it for me, and I appreciate that, Wendy. Nice.
0: (laughs) Very well done. Well, in addition with these 12th gen Core HX, you're going to get PCIe 5.0, X16, and up to 128 gigabyte DDR5 RAM support. So if you remember the original Intel CEO when AMD launched PCIe 4.0, this is another thing I got in a fight with community members about, right? Because I was like, 4.0 is going to be a big deal. And Intel came out and said, oh, that's, that's nobody needs that. That's lame. Uh, the, the original CEOs or whatever their people were were talking. And then, of course, PCIe 4.0 was a big deal. It was a big deal to move all of these components that we were putting in our machines, the new NVMe drives, the new video cards and things, and getting the to work together. It was a big deal. And Intel, in fact, it's such a big deal that Intel's like, let's skip 4.0 and go right to 5.0. And put more speed in there. So, obviously, it was a big deal. And I'm happy they got on that bandwagon. And and Intel has gone through some changes in their leadership and it's made a big deal. You can see that here that they're trying to take risks. And not all of them are going to work out like the arc risk that they're taking, you know, and they were hoping to get it out sooner and it didn't work out. But I like that they're trying to take risks and they're trying to put themselves out there again as the leader in this world because it's going to create that competition we want. And the big question is when will we get them and how much power will they consume? I think is the fear out there because Intel's still been now kind of switched places with AMD and been a lot more power hungry with their components and things. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that works out. And the biggest issue I think facing both Intel and AMD besides supply chain is the ARM architecture used by companies like Apple because they're creating insane power and just unimaginable battery with their big little architecture. And Intel is doing some of that type of mixture here with some of their newer chips where they're trying to do that on the x86 platforms. And we'll see how well it does. But if you've ever used one of the new Apple laptops, it is revolutionary. Not that it's more powerful than my other laptops that I have from a processing standpoint. It's as powerful. But it's the fact that I can sit there all day long and not have to worry about where an outlet is. And when I say all day long, I'm talking 15 to 18 hours a day. Sometimes I leave it unplugged for a week and come back and and plug it in or turn it on and it's still got plenty of power left. Like It is something that you have to experience firsthand to realize how good the battery life is with this architecture that they've put in using ARM. And I think AMD and Intel are going to have a big problem keeping up with that if they don't make some changes here to be able to adapt.
2: Gaming laptops already weren't known for having stellar battery life. And yeah, this is definitely going to kick this up a notch, especially if you are using your work laptop for different rendering operations. Being able to match that, maybe not as good as this, but producing better battery life is probably going to be one of the top priorities Moving forward.
1: I mean, I hope it is, but I also hope they don't go the ARM route. Yeah. Because I do think the x86 architecture is more universal, and I am a big fan of that part. And the ARM infrastructure, I guess, is just, for lack of a better word, pretty locked down to specific models and specific ARM processors, and I'm not a fan of that. I hope Intel and AMD can battle against Apple's ARM approach with something that has the same battery life factor, but also has a more x86 driven thing so that we can have these processors in a way more universal approach.
0: The only thing saving Intel and AMD right now from Apple just completely stomping them into the ground, and this goes for all of the PC manufacturers as well, Dells, HPs, Lenovo's, the only reason there's some existence there is price. And secondly, the fact that Apple has no gaming game at all, like they are so stupid when it comes to gaming and have treated it like it's this unimportant aspect of business. When in fact, like I've mentioned in Destination Linux, if you took all the movies and the money they make and all the money that music makes and you combined it, it's still not as much money as gaming industry makes a year. So this is a massive industry that Apple has completely ignored and any type of solution they've come up with is complete nonsense. And that, in that aspect, Intel and AMD can continue to just stomp them because there's nothing they offer that competes in that realm. Even if their M1 chips are capable of gaming, there's no compatibility with anything because they use Metal instead of Vulkan and that's why Apple will never dominate completely. But if they do make that change, and Intel and AMD are still sitting on these power-hungry chips that don't have good battery life, I think they're in trouble. That's
1: very interesting. I didn't think about the the gaming aspect of it. That's a very important piece that kind of keeps a lot of people away from Apple products because Apple is known for, as you said, not having good support for gaming, but also kind
0: of being hostile yeah. to gaming. It's like they don't even like gamers. Like, they're yeah. just like, we don't want gaming on here. If you want a game, we've made these little children's games for you to play. But otherwise, we don't want any gaming on there. If you want a Bejeweled, we got you. Yeah, but otherwise. Exactly.
2: That brings up a fantastic rant that Matt's had on Linux Out Loud a couple different times, where he's tried Mac hardware, Apple hardware for his day to day stuff. And he's mentioned that he goes to sit down and play an Apple game on Steam but it won't work anymore because Apple has completely gotten rid of the 32-bit libraries and you have to have that to play the games. So even many of the games that used to work on Apple don't anymore.
0: Yeah, and a lot of Apple people, I know you're about to write me and say, oh, but I can use this third-party service like the NVIDIA Game Streaming or Google Game Streaming. And so you have to use somebody else's computers on the internet to play games is not a solution for gaming on your $2,000 laptop. And by the way, I own an M1, so don't be acting like I hate Apple. I like Apple products, but listen, we got to be honest with Apple and tell them, you suck at gaming, stop sucking, and so we can have some competition there. We got to be honest with them.
1: That's a good motto for them to take (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, stop sucking. Can that be the title of this episode too? Wendy, can you work that into the title you gave us earlier?
1: The good, the bad, the bad and the delayed, unless you're Apple, then you just suck at gaming. (laughs) There's our title.
2: (laughs) One thing that doesn't suck is Bitwarden. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden, the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords, and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. If you're like me though, you're going to want to get that premium account that starts at just $10 per year. What comes with that premium account? one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, vault health reports, TOTP authenticator storage, and generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. Though I think you're going to want to jump in and get that premium account that starts at just $10 per year and support this awesome open source project. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts.
0: All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and tell us about a camera for underwater adventures or a summer at the beach. I mean, it's summertime now. We can get in our bikinis, Michael. It's time to get those beach pods going. I'm working on mine. Yeah.
2: That's right. It is summertime. It's time to get out and not everybody wants to take a DSLR with them, or a mirrorless camera with them. Why? Because they are pretty expensive pieces of hardware. They are not meant to be at or near the water. They're sand. All different things you have to contend with. And in this game, Ricoh has been going at it for years, and they've announced their newest camera. One of the coolest things about this camera... One of the things that I was like, oh, I have to bring this to the listeners of hardware addicts and all of you camera fans out there is that this one you can take in the water with you. It's made to go underwater. Now you don't want to drop it down to the bottom of the ocean by any means. Darn it. But I believe it's up to forty-two feet. 42 feet of water that you can take this camera with you. And they have special settings, special modes for taking pictures underwater. One of the difficulties with underwater is the way the light moves is different. There's more refraction, those colors change, and they have different things set up in order to make those pictures look their absolute best. They come with drop and this is a big one this is so nice that you are at vacationing at the beach with your family you can get some underwater shots and pictures of the cool things that are going on when the tide's out but at the same time it's okay to be able to hand this camera to your child probably older children I don't know that you want to necessarily hand it to the younger ones it does have some really cool drop proof technology now are you going to get the best pictures in the whole world No, but they do come out really nice, pretty clean. So you've got the underwater shooting modes, you've got drop proof, you've got dust protection. They even advertise this specific camera body for taking on the job with you as you're on construction sites and whatnot. It is made to take the abuse and still get really, really nice pictures with.
0: I love the look of this camera, Wendy. Like it looks not only like a personal self-defense device, but it also functions as a camera too. Like it's got all of these tight edges and curves and everything going into it. It looks dope. And you got the 2.7 inch screen on the back, which is really nice. You can actually, even while you're underwater, see the pictures you're taking, make sure you got that shot of that fish. Or if you're like Michael and you got the rubber duckies on your arms and the the small side of the pool i guess you take <laughs> yeah water wings yeah for water sure. wings that you're wearing yeah. yeah you could take pictures of the pool and things that you're out yeah, there uh,
1: you, you gotta be safe you gotta be careful get yeah. the water wings for sure yeah you don't want to drown yeah. yeah yeah but totally with this camera it looks kind of like a. I don't know why but it reminded me part of the like terminator and also yeah. predator mm. with the ring like the lights around the ring
0: It's very cool looking.
2: Yeah, those lights around the ring are really, really neat. They're used for a macro photography feature that really close up type of photography feature that this camera has. One of the things that this one can do that the other one can't do is to be able to adjust the brightness of those lights. So on the previous version of this camera, it did have the macro photography feature, but the lights were just all on. You had one brightness. This time you can kind of dial that back and be able to adjust that brightness for the image you're taking. Now don't worry, say you have got an extremely short summer. You're not spending a whole lot of time at the beach, maybe you're more in the mountains. This camera can still work for you because it can go down to negative 10 Celsius, or for those of us who use Fahrenheit, that's about 14 degrees. Now, where my in-laws live who are much higher in the mountains. That's not quite cold enough for some of the situations, but for home, that would be perfectly acceptable to do some outdoor stuff with this camera and not have to worry about the cold killing it. Really, really awesome to have some of these features. Yeah, you're not changing lenses, but the perfect tool for the right job, and I think this is an awesome option for two people who like to spend a lot of time outdoors, want something that's rugged, that can take a hit, and can get some awesome underwater pictures. The best part is this one is more in the budget than some of the other real high-end cameras that are out there made for water. Its suggested retail price, the MSRP, is right around $330.
1: Wow, I was about to ask that. This seems like a reasonable thing. And who made this? What company? Rico. Oh, do they also, in addition to doing rugged products, they also have like stuff for soothing your throat? Oh my gosh.
0: No, Ricoh.
2: Wrong company. <laughs> I'll punch him,
0: Wendy. I'll punch him.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. This Ricoh is spelled R I C O H. And I wasn't entirely sure how to pronounce it. And I actually had to go to some reviews of their older cameras in order to get the right pronunciation of their names. Now, they do have more cameras. One of the interesting things about this particular company and one of the reviews that I watched previously is that they do make DSLR cameras, but one of the things that other people or other photographers like about them are their compact cameras and a review that I watched on one of their other models and using it for street photography. They are good at making compact cameras And this is one of those other regions, one of those other places where they're making a compact camera for a very specific job or a specific kind of use case.
0: Yeah, I think the camera is really cool. I love the look of it. I see so much opportunity to use a camera like this instead of getting one of those underwater disposable cameras people get for their vacations. And the price is right right. at $329. You'd have a really nice camera that does 1080p video as well that you could take with you on those trips with kids in the pool and all those things beach trips 45 is pretty deep like i do diving and so you know you you're gonna have to be a diver to go deeper than the 45 feet or one of those free divers for instance or something like that to, to go there so i mean you could have some really good underwater shots snorkeling trips to hawaii wherever you could have some really nice shots with this camera that you could take with you and if it did get lost it would hurt is no drop in the bucket, but it's a lot better than the couple thousand for a DSLR or some of these other cameras that do underwater, which get real expensive.
2: Absolutely. So if any of you check this out, I want to know there's lots of places where you can get a hold of this. Are you going to buy a particular camera? Is this something that you didn't think about before, but now you're like, oh, that's a great idea for all of the time that we spend at near the water or in places where your camera might take a pretty hard hit? And this is an option you're going to start looking into.
1: Did you say take a picture at the Y?
0: At the Y? No. Well, you could take a picture at the Y pool at the Y. I I heard you say that. I don't know why. I might have. YMCA. You take a picture at the YMCA pool. Why Why wouldn't you you? take a photo of the pool?
2: YMCA.
0: There you go. Well, on that note, that's it. That's our 61st episode of Hardware Addicts. And it is now a wrap. And we did it with Michael in the same room as me. And it's been fun. It's been fun to see your expressions and be able to hit you with your dad jokes and everything live it's been amazing thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix and if you're not all lit up on tech yet then be sure to check out all the amazing content on the tux digital network that's right we changed the name but the network's still the same it's still got all the cool stuff as the destination links network but people would get confused because we had destination links podcast they went destination links network and they call the podcast the network and then, now you don't have to worry about that because it's tux digital network Destination Links Podcast, head to TuxDigital.com, check out all the great podcasts, YouTube partners available there. There is so much to fill your brains with.
2: Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show,
1: too, and we'll see you next time for another ruggedly awesome and ruggedly handsome episode of Hardware Addicts that is never delayed, especially this week, where Ryan has to immediately start editing As soon as we finish recording. Yes,
0: because we're late. (laughs) Because we're very late. We suck like Apple do the game. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone.